Hey guys, and welcome to Happy Hour with Ashley. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? I'm coming at you real and unfiltered to talk about self-care, mental health, and everything in between. This podcast is designed to encourage, educate, and uplift each and every person that listens. I'm coming from both a clinical and a personal point of view to discuss various matters dealing with mental health, self-esteem, self-care, and everything in between, things that happen in life. Happy Hour is here to let each listener know that no matter what you may be going through, you can turn your obstacles into triumphs. So go ahead and like, share, subscribe, write a review, do all those great things, but just make sure you listen. All right. Hey there, happy Friday, happy hour listeners. Thank you for tuning in again. As I you know, said last week, we were going to start doing a little bit more into mental health and some diagnoses and things like that just to help break the stigma on mental health, to help people who may be suffering with mental health and things like that. You know, last week we touched a little bit on narcissism and codependency and since it's currently two hours after I took my sleep meds and my insomnia is whooping my butt why don't we jump into an episode right now so insomnia is diagnosed by the DSM-5 which if you don't know is the diagnostic and statistical statistical manual of mental disorders and it's the fifth edition so basically it's assigned to individuals like myself who experience recurrent poor sleep quality or quantity that causes distress or impairment in important areas of functioning so basically it's somebody who either can't fall asleep someone who can't stay asleep someone who doesn't get enough sleep so for instance you might get in the bed and can't fall asleep for two or three hours but then once you go to sleep you stay asleep or you might fall immediately immediately to sleep but you wake up in the middle of the night or you might you know have no problem falling asleep and waking up in the middle of the night but you arise really early or you can have all three you can't fall asleep then you fall asleep then you wake up then you fall asleep then you wake back up so a lot of my patients at the va like get one or two hours of sleep Luckily for me, I get about four to five, but sometimes that's not enough. But previously, back in the day, I used to go 24, 48 hours before I crashed. So I'm grateful for that now. And let me tell you, having a sleep hangover is way worse than any alcohol hangover you could ever have. Like when I've been up for 48 hours, it feels ridiculously disgusting. So, yeah. Um, so insomnia is categorized as a sleep-wake disorder. Um, it's characterized by difficulty in initiating sleep, staying asleep, or waking early in the morning and being able to get back to sleep. And I've actually had all three of those things. Um, I take that back. I haven't really had a problem um, staying asleep. Like if I wake up to go pee or something, but I get back in the bed and go back to sleep. But I do, I've all, always, well not always, at least for the last 10 years like after Iraq is when it all pops up but I've all I've had issues initiating sleep 
And then I um, more so recently had issues with waking up early. So I'll wake up really early and I can't go back to sleep like at four or five or something. So people with insomnia disorder often experience tiredness or sleepiness in the daytime as a result. And I be crashing sometimes like I. Yes. So along with related inattention, so inability to focus, irritability and trouble concentrating on tasks that sometimes may cause an extreme issue with work or social life. According to the statistics, y'all, statistic is a hard word for me, so bear with me. According to statistics, about one-third of adults report having experienced symptoms of insomnia with 10 to 15% recording daytime impairments. Between 6 and 10% of individuals meet the criteria for insomnia disorder, which is most common known as sleep disorder. And I'm actually reading something, but I think it's more so known as insomnia disorder, just in my opinion, not sleep disorder. So what are some symptoms of insomnia, like other than you just can't sleep? So they include trouble, falling asleep at night, lying awake for long periods of time, waking several times during the night, waking up early, unable to get back to sleep, not feeling refreshed after sleeping. So say you did get some sleep, but you still fatigued or tired the next day. And then feeling fatigued or sleepy during the day, having difficulty focusing on the tasks or feeling irritable. Like you got to think about it. If you're not getting any sleep, you're definitely going to be cranky. So what are the diagnostic criteria in order to be diagnosed with insomnia disorder? There isn't really a single test or a way for insomnia disorder to be diagnosed. So medical professions usually reach the conclusion based on the symptoms that I listed and by ruling out other factors. So in order to reach a diagnosis of insomnia, um, you also have to have a sort of impairment such as unhappiness with the quality or quantity of sleep. So some people can sleep for hours and they're absolutely, you know, they're great with it. Or some people are okay with their sleep patterns. Insomnia, you know, is defined when you can't deal with it. Like when you want more sleep, when you try to sleep and you can't, when you don't want to wake up, things like that. So it's unhappiness with the quality or quantity of your sleep, which can include trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up too early. The sleep disturbance causes significant distress or impairment in functioning, such as within your working or personal life and with your behaviors or emotions. Difficulty sleeping occurs at least three times a week and is present for at least three months. Well, I think I check check that because it's been present for at least 10 years. So 12 times 10 is what? 12,000. And I'm not getting math. So don't laugh if I got it wrong. But anyway, and at least three times a week, like, like I said, I just got my meds yesterday and I took them last night um, and they kind of kicked in within an hour. But this med... I've taken it before. It's Ambien. I've taken it before and it usually has a habit in me. So medication works differently in everybody. But in me, it generally doesn't have a, it won't repeatedly work if I take it multiple days in a row. It'll work like the first or second day. Normally it works the first, second, third day. Like when I've taken it in the past and like stops working the fourth or fifth. But obviously it's the second night and it's not working. So got to try something else. But So three times a week and present for three months. So I know for sure, like the last couple of weeks I've been up and I've been having trouble falling asleep. So therefore that definitely checks the box. The problem occurs despite 
opportunities for sleep. Some people I know lay in bed all night and just sleep. I know I do that sometimes, but I also like try to stay up in, you know, in the living room and watching TV until I feel drowsy. But the way it happens with me is I feel drowsy out there. I come get in the bed and I be wide awake. Another way to reach the diagnosis is if the difficulty cannot be better explained by any other physical, mental, or sleep-wake disorder. So if it's not attributed to anything else, then it can be defined with insomnia. And also it can't be attributed to substance use or medication. So, you know, on some stimulant use, it'll keep you up, 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 or any medication that might keep you awake. So you can't connect it to that. So physicians or therapists or social workers or licensed marriage family therapists or psychologists or psychiatrists, any of those things, we all can diagnose. And we'll often use a variety of techniques to support a diagnosis of insomnia, such as using a sleep diary. So a lot of my patients, I have them do a sleep log. So what, you know, what time are you trying to go to sleep every night? What are you doing before you go to sleep? How many times do you wake up? How long does it take for you to fall asleep if you can remember? Things like that. Um, A sleep log helps identify any potential casual elements and habits, as well as a variability in sleeping patterns. So, you know, just understanding how your sleep works every night. And also you'll have a physical examination just to see and check your blood work, just to make sure there aren't any other medical issues concerning that. There's no really real reason why insomnia disorder occurs, but, you know, some some things can contribute, such as stress and anxiety. It can make it difficult by causing tension or feelings or worry and overstimulation. Over time, the negative associations with sleeping may make it more difficult to fall asleep and stay asleep. So I know for a lot of my patients, their mind wanders. Okay, for myself, too. I lay in the bed and I might just be going, 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 going. So because of those racing thoughts, due to either stress or anxiety or whatever, you can't fall asleep. The same thing if you're going through something, you can't fall asleep. Anything that is stress or anxiety can make sleeping difficult because your mind is overstimulated. Another cause could be any other sleep disorder. So, you know, things such as restless leg syndrome, um, that can mess up sleep. It can, you know, sleep apnea also causes people to wake up throughout the night. So just figuring out if it's not another sleep disorder. Another cause could be any type of mental health diagnosis, such as depression that can contribute to the onset of insomnia. Mood and hormonal changes can contribute to insomnia. PTSD, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. um, Just, I mean, any type of, you know, acute stress disorder. Uh, adjustment disorder, like a lot of mental health disorders can lead to, you know, insomnia as well. And it can also flip it and make you sleep too much. So you can look at them both ways. There are some medical conditions that can um, interact with your sleep. Um, Chronic pain. So you're in pain so much that you're unable to sleep. And I know recently I've been having a lot of back pain. And so sometimes, you know, I can't get comfortable in the bed or you know, if I'm comfortable, I'm, you know, it wakes me up or literally y'all, I don't know where this came from, but one night I was, and I have arthritis in both my knees, but they generally are okay unless I'm doing too much or I'm not kidding. It's cold outside. Then they hurt. Well, I was asleep one night y'all and I am not joking. I woke up to the most 
like I can't even explain this pain I never had it in my knee before like I couldn't even straighten my knee out it was like I started crying it was so bad so that woke me up so chronic pain nasal allergies arthritis reflux asthma thyroid disorders all those things may cause discomfort and make it difficult for you to get to sleep or stay asleep another cause of insomnia are um, medications such as things for the cold allergies thyroid disease high blood pressure um, all those things can I mean a lot of medications can cause side effects you know substance abuse you know like I said stimulant use things caffeine guys that ain't even with substance abuse or anything else caffeine red bulls uh, any coffee, any of those things, uh, sodas like Mountain Dew and stuff like that with high caffeine, it is going to keep you up. Another cause of insomnia could be lifestyle factors. So like I just said, consuming caffeine, caffeine or alcohol can disrupt sleep patterns. And I know some people think that the alcohol helps you sleep, but it's a depressant. And I mean, it may help you sleep in the beginning, but it's going to eventually mess up your sleep. So caffeine, alcohol, any of those things can disrupt sleep patterns. So when you're working from home or late at night, even though you try to use it to wind down, it can make it difficult. And also taking naps in the daytime may result in insomnia for some people. So for myself, I so when I was younger, I'm 32 now. When I was younger, I know, especially when I was in the military, not as a child, because don't we all regret not taking those naps as children that we so didn't want to do but now we wish you did but no when I was in the military so you know I would get up at five or four or whatever time and be working all day so when I got home from work at like 5 30 I would take a nap for like an hour get up for a little bit and go to sleep or maybe I didn't go to sleep I don't know because I had insomnia then too but I know now if I try to take a nap in the daytime I'm not gonna go to sleep later so I fight myself to stay awake because I know if I take a nap, I'm going to be up all night. So that, you know, daytime napping can result in insomnia for some people. Some people can take a nap and then wake up and then still go to sleep early and all this kind of stuff. Like, lucky them, you know. Another uh, cause of insomnia could be comorbidity. So it can, uh, insomnia can occur in isolation or comorbidity. Oh, God, these words are messing me up. Cormibit with other conditions. So basically, it means it co-occurs with it. Commonly, um, it occurs with something else like diabetes, coronary heart disease, arthritis, fibromyalgia, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Also, you can, like I said earlier, with bi uh, mental disorders, bipolar, anxiety, depressive, all those things can attribute to insomnia, right? So... Although it shares similar signs and symptoms with various other conditions, the diagnosis is sometimes difficult to diagnose. Uh, well, it can be. The most frequent differential diagnoses are normal sleep variations. So insomnia symptoms may be experienced by people from time to time as variations in normal sleep. So you don't have insomnia, but you might like have a bout of, you know, sleeping problems insomnia is something of a longer a more long-term type thing breathing related disorders like we said sleep apnea might you know correlate and look like insomnia narcolepsy narcolepsy is basically when you fall asleep in the daytime so insomnia disorder well not in the daytime but when you fall asleep period insomnia disorder and narcolepsy share some characteristics but narcolepsy often includes other features like sleep paralysis and sleep related hallucinations 
And then, so insomnia usually develops in young adulthood. And like I said, I got it right after Iraq. I was 23 when I came back from Iraq. Um, I don't know if it was attributed to me being younger or the fact that I came back from, you know, a war and I was jet lagged, so I wasn't sleeping right. And then when I started sleeping, I had a nightmare, so I didn't want to sleep. And so from there, that's where my sleep problems started from. But it can uh, develop in young adulthood. It often occurs, you know, um, with another condition, either medical or mental. Sleep is essential to health and well-being. Both the symptoms and effects of insomnia disorder can be challenging. Daytime functioning can suffer, which makes it difficult for somebody with insomnia to carry out their usual daily tasks. Complex tasks and cognitive performance may require more effort. The irritability associated with sleep deprivation can cause um, problems in your social and home life, work life, job life, school life, any of that, making relationship maintenance difficult. Long-term insomnia, which I definitely believe I have, is also associated with an increased risk of hypertension, major depressive disorder, um, other things. But there are various forms of treatment that can help manage symptoms. So insomnia can be treated through medication or with therapy or both. Um, Like for me, melatonin is something you get over the counter that doesn't work for me. Like I told you, I'm on my second day of Ambien and I haven't taken Ambien probably in some years and it's not working right now. Um, I have a different medicine I'm going to try tomorrow, so we'll see. But you can try medication. You can do therapy. I remember back when I was in the military when my insomnia was really bad. I did a sleep study and then I went to a therapist who talked to me about changing my sleep patterns. So I can't remember if it was hopeful or not, but that's how therapy can help. We you know, as a therapist, we can work with you to understand how you like what, what you do when you go to sleep to see if that's affecting how you fall asleep or not. So one thing about it is your bedroom should only be for sleep and sex. You should never be in your room watching TV, hanging out in the bed, reading a book, which I've been guilty of lately, things like that, because that makes your mind not equate the bed to only sleep. So when your mind thinks the bed is for other things, sometimes I might stay awake. Whereas if you literally only get in the bed to have sex or to go to sleep, then that's what your body's expecting when you get in the bed. And that makes it easier. Other things, you know, that we talk about are, you know, just figuring out what you're doing that day, what, you know, stressors, anxiety, things like that. So to help with sleep. So medication consists of sleeping pills that treat insomnia. Um, so they have Lunesta. I've tried Lunesta before. I can't remember if that works or not. Rosarim, I have never even heard of that. Sonata, I've heard of. And Ambien, which is I'm on right now and it's not working. So those are prescription medications that may be used to treat insomnia with a varying efficacy. But there's also other types of medications that aren't specifically for insomnia, but help with insomnia. So you'll be surprised. There might be high blood pressure medicine medications for hearing voices um medications for headaches things like that some things help treat uh sleep and they help with sleep so but those were the main medications for insomnia sleep hygiene education it just teaches the habits and practices that contribute to getting a good night's sleep so kind of like what i was saying earlier so it also includes diet and exercise as well as light and sound levels at bedtime Cognitive behavioral therapy 
is about a person's attitudes and beliefs about sleep that may be contributing to their insomnia. So CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, challenges sufferers to rethink their beliefs and behaviors in order to bring about a positive change. So someone who suffers from chronic insomnia may be advised to try a specific type of CBT called CBTI, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Insomnia. And this type of treatment has relaxation therapy, which helps people um, learn relaxation to help deactivate their arousal system through techniques like imagery training and progressive muscle relaxation. If you don't know what progressive muscle relaxation is, let me give you a quick little tidbit. Imagine, and you're going to start up from your feet and go all the way up. You tighten your toes, you let your toes go. You tighten your feet, you let your feet go. You tighten your calves, you let that go. You tighten your legs, you let that go. You tighten your butt, you let that go. And you work your way up by tightening each muscle and letting it go. And you're relax, you're progressively relaxing your muscles. And I just kind of gave you a speedy rundown, but that's basically what it is. It's pretty phenomenal. It helps with other things too, aside from insomnia. It'll help with anxiety and things like that too. So another type of CBTI is stimulus control therapy, where it encourages you to associate your bedrooms with sleeping and establish a sleep-wake pattern. So basically using your bed only for sleep or sex, saying I'm going to bed at 11 and I'm waking up at 6, no matter if it's the weekend or not. Another thing is biofeedback, which is designed to help recognize when you're not relaxed. Um, The sensors are attached to the body and connected to a machine. There's another one called sleep restriction therapy. So that limits the time spent in bed, bringing about a state of mild sleep deprivation, which should theoretically promote more rapid and efficient sleep. So making yourself get up at certain times. And I've never tried that. um, And I don't think I've ever worked with anybody that tried that, but I have heard of it before. Another thing is paradoxical intention. So challenging the person to try to stay awake. Even when you're sleepy, try to stay awake. So this is used for people who have trouble falling asleep, but not for anybody who struggles to maintain being asleep. And just understand with the right treatment, anybody suffering from insomnia may find that their condition improves and symptoms can be managed. Okay, so I hope I shared a little bit of information. You know, like I said, I'm going through this right now. I took my Ambien at nine and it's 1119 and I'm wide awake, but You know, as I'm going through this, like I said, I started this podcast to help people as I'm going through things. So I want you to understand that insomnia is real. I live with it, but there are ways to treat it. I'm trying to figure it out and understand, you know, I'm trying to decrease everything. I started therapy again and I actually like this therapist. So hopefully she'll help me with some of that and hopefully we'll figure out how to get this sleep thing together, you know, because baby need to sleep, but If you have any questions about insomnia, any concerns, um, anything like that, feel free, like I said, to shoot me a message. You can find me on Instagram at happy hour with Ashley on Twitter, happy hour Ash, that's A-S-H-E and on Facebook therapy with Ashley. You can shoot me an email, ashley.w.johnson at gmail.com or in the details below, there should be something about sending me a voice message or a note. So On that note, I hope you guys get some sleep and have a great day. Peace out. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? 
BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com Ashley. That's Better. H-E-L-P.com slash A-S-H-E-L-E-I and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And a special offer for Happy Hour with Ashley listeners, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Ashley. Thanks for tuning in to the episode today. Be sure to go follow me on all my social media handles. On Twitter, it's Happy Hour Ash, spelled with A-S-H-E. On Instagram, it's Happy Hour with Ashley. You can find me on Facebook at Therapy with Ashley. And my website's www.ashleyjohnsoncounseling.com. If you want to go ahead and be a supporter of me financially and this podcast to help us grow, go ahead and click the link under details or you can go to anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. That's anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, Apple reviewers, write me a review and make sure you listen. Have a great day.